You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Two men have now been charged with murder in yesterday's brazen shooting of a high profile Hells Angel member in the drive through of a Starbucks in South Surrey. As Julia Foy reports, the murder of Suminder Graywall stands out in the community because, unlike so many other killings, two suspects were quickly identified and arrested. Outside the Starbucks coffee shop in South Surrey, locals are still shaken about the brazen shooting Friday morning that killed a man in his car as he waited in a drive through lane. There's a lot of drugs going on and uh, gangs going on and uh, we can't seem to stop it. I'm sure it's pretty going to be pretty upsetting for uh, a lot of people. The victim has been identified as Suminder Ali Graywall, who was one of the leaders of the Hardside chapter of the Hells Angels. Witnesses to the shooting tried to save his life. I said go ahead and put pressure on the wounds, which I, uh, which I did. And then while I was doing that, um, he jerked twice. You know, it was pretty complete. He passed then. He's the second member of the club to be killed in 10 months. In November of 2018, the body of 43-year-old Chad Wilson was found dumped underneath the Golden Ears Bridge. His murder remains unsolved. Uh, telling the guy to stay down, stay down, stay down. But in Friday's attack, the police did arrest two suspects in Graywall's murder. After a frantic chase by car and on foot, Nathan James DeYoung and Calvin Jr. Powery Hooker were charged with murder. Both men were born in 1998, and Powery Hooker has connections to Alberta. Police, uh, were, they're taking uh, public safety in their community very seriously. With several Surrey drive-by shootings still unsolved, one anti-gang advocate is pleased the police were able to make an arrest. I think it's a good thing that uh, police at least uh, caught someone right away. And uh, we always complain that it never happened before. And this time if they caught something, let's see what the outcome is. The suspects make their next court appearance on August 8th. Anyone with information about the shooting is asked to call the Integrated Homicide Investigation Team. Julia Foy, Global News. The bounty on the head of one of Canada's most wanted gangsters has been renewed. Earlier this year, the B.C. gang squad put up $100,000 for the capture of United Nations gang leader Connor DeMonte. Crime Stoppers and the BOLO, or Be on the Lookout for program, are now extending Metro Vancouver's largest ever cash reward offer until the end of January of next year. Police alleged DeMonte was the mastermind who gunned down rival Kevin LeClaire in 2009 and plotted the murders of the Bacon Brothers and other Red Scorpion members. It's believed DeMonte has fled the country. RCMP are investigating a stabbing in Guilford early this afternoon in the 9100 block of 148th Street. A man found with stab wounds was rushed to hospital. The initial investigation suggests it was the result of a fight between two people. A Canadian resident jailed in Iran for more than a decade and facing the death penalty has been set free and, according to his family, is back on Canadian soil tonight. In 2008, B.C. resident Saeed Malikpour was visiting his dying father in Iran when he was arrested. At the time, he was a permanent resident of Canada and pursuing a Ph.D. His sister Mariam posted on Twitter that he is back in Canada. The video appears to show them at YVR. According to Amnesty International, officials in Iran allegedly blamed Malikpour's software program for enabling pictures to be uploaded onto pornographic websites. 
Those working on his behalf say he was released on furlough a few days ago and escaped to Canada through an unnamed third country. I had talked to him on the phone. I haven't seen him yet. How is he? He's good. He's good. I mean, he's, but you have to understand, he's, he's good. He's very happy he's here. But the thing is, when you are there for 10 years in the prisons and in that condition in Iran, I'm sure you have some uh, mental... He's a, he's a strong young man. Well, it's no secret the B.C. forest industry is in the midst of a downturn resulting in mounting job losses. And now leaders from nearly two dozen northern B.C. municipalities are calling on the federal government for help. As Nadia Stewart reports, the mayors say if the government doesn't do something soon, their communities will be crippled. Northern Rockies has the timber that these companies are looking for. Todd Penny is hopeful an increase in the annual cut is the boost Fort Nelson needs. The province just upped the amount by 59%. Their community is suddenly more attractive. Penny says they just need one company to step up. Over the last couple of years, we have had some interest. Uh, some companies have uh, come here, as far as I know, and but the timber supply just needed to be reviewed before anybody could make any commitment. For the most part, many communities are seeing the opposite. Companies pulling out because of rising costs and a weak market. Kelowna's Tolko Mill is the latest casualty, where 140 workers received layoff notices this week. Our membership alone has close to 1,000 layoffs right now, and uh, there's no future right now. They're, they're, they're worried. Those concerns were front and center in Kelowna during a meeting of industry professionals trying to come up with solutions for the struggling sector. We're not working, so we have millions of dollars worth of equipment that um, needs to be serviced on a monthly basis. And with the uncertainty, we have bankers knocking on our doors asking if everything's all right. Now, 21 northern B.C. mayors are knocking on the government's door, sending this letter to federal ministers, including Natural Resources Minister Amarjeet Sohi. They say since May, there have been 45 announcements of shift cuts or closures to forestry operations. They're asking for federal help for communities and workers. This, as a provincial report, finds pests and wildfire threaten the industry's economic productivity. I would say come get our come get our timber. But Penny is still hoping for a turnaround. We have the, the largest supply, I believe, the largest supply in BC right now, so now is the time to come get it. In Fort Nelson and other communities, praying a break comes soon. Nadia Struck Global News. The effects of wildfires in Siberia are being detected here in B.C. The fires have already scorched more than 3 million hectares. That's roughly the size of Vancouver Island. The region of uh, fire is a remote, uninhabited forest land. Environmentalists, though, are calling it an ecological catastrophe. NASA says satellite imagery shows smoke from the fire has drifted all the way to Alaska and the B.C. coast. In the North Okanagan, the Vernon Fire Department is reminding people that fireworks and extremely dry conditions don't mix. It comes after a large grass fire sparked by fireworks nearly threatened several homes. Jules Knox has more. There was some loud pops. Boom, 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 boom. Just before 2.30 on Saturday morning, some residents of Coldstream were jolted awake. There was a bunch of bangs and then... Nothing, and then about 10 minutes later, all the sirens came. We heard fire trucks, and then a whole bunch of fire trucks. And then I looked off my deck, and there's flames coming up the hill here. Firefighters rushed to the scene, where they found flames burning up the steep slope beneath Kalamalka Lakeview Drive Lookout. 
near several homes. It was orange and red, basically, like fire trucks and flames. So it was just a glow. A lot of worry. A lot of people live around here, a lot of houses. That'd be bad. Vernon Fire Chief David Lynn says they were lucky. The fire was slow moving and it wasn't windy, so they were able to avoid evacuations. Still, fire crews were put at risk. Although this was a fairly uh, small fire, uh, we had firefighters walking up and down steep inclines in the middle of the night. But Lynn's main concern is the careless behaviour. Last night, a, a few fireworks were enough to set off uh, a, a fire that required the resources of 18 firefighters. We had four pieces of apparatus, RCMP, and a representative from BC Wildfire on scene. That's prompting the Vernon Fire Department to issue a warning heading into the rest of the long weekend. Fireworks uh, set off uh, like these were last night? Absolutely not. Nowhere in BC. It's not appropriate. Don't do it. Um, if you're thinking about throwing a cigarette butt out a window, don't do it. That's enough to start a wildfire. RCMP are now investigating the blaze. Lynn says people who set off fireworks illegally could be held fully responsible for the cost of fighting a fire, be given significant fines and penalties, or even face jail time. Jules Knox, Global News, Vernon. The National Energy Board has given the green light for some construction to resume on the expansion of the Trans Mountain Pipeline in our province. Global's Tom Vernon has the details. The Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion project is another step closer to actually beginning construction later this fall. This week, the NEB issued a couple of different decisions to allow construction to resume in British Columbia. The Westridge Marine Terminal, Burnaby Mountain Tunnel and Burnaby Terminal all received approval to have construction begin. There's also a number of laydown sites for uh, pipeline and other equipment uh, have been approved to be built in Kamloops, Merritt, Hope, and Abbotsford. The company says it is pleased that the NDB has confirmed that they've met all these pre-construction conditions required to get construction underway on those terminals and tunnels. Uh, they will have more to say about the specific start date soon. Now, uh, Natural Resources Minister Amarjeet Sohi took to Twitter to say, well, look, we have always stood with workers in our energy sector and we will continue to do so, adding we look forward to construction beginning this season. Now, as I mentioned, the company hopes to get in the ground by this fall, by September, and the pipeline is scheduled to be open by 2022. Now, they'd also asked the NDB to grant approval to get construction uh, underway at the Edmonton Terminal. That's just east of the city, out in Strathcona County. Although the NDB says there's still some hoops that have to be cleared before construction gets going there. Tom Vernon, Global News. Usually people line up to get into an attraction, but check out the lineup to leave Grouse Mountain tonight. Hundreds of people are waiting to catch the sky ride down the mountain. The wait to leave is apparently more than an hour long. On social media, some are complaining the mountain isn't handing out water or sunscreen. In case you're wondering, walking down the Grouse Grind is banned, so people are forced to line up for the sky ride. The RCMP in Manitoba have now called in a dive team in the ongoing manhunt for two B.C. teen murder suspects. Tomorrow, the underwater recovery team is expected to begin searching a section of the Nelson River, which is outside of Gillam. The area around the northern Manitoba town has been the focus for more than a week in the hunt for 18-year-old Briar Schmigelski and 19-year-old Cam McLeod. Police aren't providing any further information on the deployment of the divers in the area. They also aren't saying what divers are looking for or what has prompted them to search the river.
Last night, a public meeting for concerned citizens was held in Gillum, giving them a chance to question police. Officers have now scaled back their search in that community, the location of the last confirmed sighting of the pair more than a week ago. The teens are accused of three murders in northern B.C. Deputy Mayor John McDonald estimates about 100 residents were there at the meeting. He says the most common question people had was, is it safe to fish and hunt again? He couldn't answer one way or the other. Uh, you know, he can't say for there's been no definite uh, finding of these guys. So, uh, you know, he's not going to recommend things that... Uh, uh, he's just not going to make a recommendation one way or the other. Meanwhile, Ontario Provincial Police are investigating numerous tips about possible sightings of the wanted teens. The OPP have assigned a team to look into a spike in tips and are working with the RCMP as they probe incoming reports. Police aren't able to confirm any of the reported sightings so far. Japanese-Canadian arts and culture is on full display in the downtown east side this weekend, but at a different venue than usual. The Powell Street Festival has moved out of Oppenheimer Park to the surrounding streets, the Vancouver Buddhist Temple, Japanese Language School, and the Fire Hall Arts Centre. Organizers decided to relocate the annual event so as not to disrupt or displace the people camping in the park. Attendees can find live music, food and craft vendors, sumo wrestling and tea ceremonies within walking distance of Oppenheimer Park. Being historically displaced people, uh, we do not want to be involved in displacing any marginalized population. Still kind of in the um, historical Japantown, you know, still in the area, so as long as it's still there, it's... Yeah. I think it's actually good probably not to be displacing all the people who call it their home. I'm good with it. It doesn't bother me. And the housing affordability crisis in B.C. has many people considering the alternatives, including living in a van or RV. As Jill Bennett reports, there's a growing community across the continent of people who are avoiding paying rent or a mortgage by living in a home with wheels. Home sweet home. This home is a little different than your average apartment. With a kitchen, a shower, and a bed, it's got the necessities. It's even got a million-dollar view sometimes, and the price is hard to beat. It's nice and breezy up here. It can be uh, as little as five, $600 a month if you want to be really frugal. This is the fifth annual gathering at Spanish banks for people who live in vans or RVs, something the organizer says is becoming more popular for various reasons. If you talk to most people here who are forced into it because of money, uh, they like the lifestyle and they don't want to go back to sticks and bricks. Brian Backhouse drove from Alberta to attend the event. He decided to move into his van after he was laid off from his job in the oil industry. I'm a hurting Albertan. I live in Calgary and it's just, it's just rough there right now and uh, I just figured at least in this van I can work part-time and sustain myself and my dog. Is Canada taking on the Americans earlier in the week? Couples are also embracing the van lifestyle. Monica Silva and her husband packed up and started calling this small space home five years ago. You can't go in another room and ignore the person or, or go somewhere else. You deal with everything so our relationship is like just blossomed. The rules on sleeping in vehicles vary, but in Vancouver, the city says it is not currently city policy to ticket people living in their vehicles. However, illegally parked vehicles of any kind are subject to the same street and traffic bylaws that govern all parking. Don't be a, an eyesore. Move around. 
take care of your vehicle, and then less problems, right? Another reason for the event is to bring this kind of living out of the shadows, a way to show that for many, this isn't a last resort, it's a first choice. Jill Bennett, Global News. Well, no matter how you live, the Vancouver Park Board is urging the public to respect barbecue restrictions and smoking bans ahead of tonight's fireworks finale. Officials are reminding everyone that barbecues are not allowed on beaches or between the Beach Avenue entrance to Stanley Park to just south of the English Bay in Ukshuk. Smoking is banned on beaches and in parks and is subject to a $250 fine. Park rangers will be enforcing the bylaw. All of these rules are in place really to ensure the safety of both the public and the parks. Stanley Park is such an important asset in Vancouver, and so we want to do everything we can to make sure that we have no fires there. Many of the fires we do experience in the park are due to discarded cigarettes, so it's very important that people pay attention to that. There has been another deadly mass shooting in the U.S., this time at a Walmart in El Paso, Texas, where many families were out for back-to-school shopping. That is the frightening moment shoppers had to scramble for cover as shots were fired. Police are confirming at least 20 people have been killed. It all began at around 10 o'clock local time when gunshots were fired inside the crowded Walmart, filled with up to 3,000 shoppers. The adjacent Cielo Vista shopping center was put in lockdown. Shoppers had to hunker down in stores as police tracked down the gunman, who is now in custody. We want to express incredible gratitude for all the law enforcement and the swift response that they took to minimize the loss of life by directly confronting the shooter, getting him to disarm himself and be able to arrest him. Police are identifying the gunman as 21-year-old Patrick Crucius of Dallas. He surrendered to officers inside the Walmart. Investigators are now combing his social media posts for a possible motive. He allegedly left a lengthy manifesto online. Tonight, 26 people are still in hospital, some in critical condition. Reports say the ages of those treated range from 82 to just four months old. A lifeguard has now been posted at a Southern California beach where a sea cliff collapsed yesterday, killing three people. The bluff gave way in a suburb north of San Diego, sending tons of sandstone onto the beachgoers. Rescuers rushed to dig out victims, but a woman died at the scene and two others died in hospital. Authorities say cliffs in the area are subject to natural erosion and warning signs are posted throughout. But neighbors say more should have been done to prevent the incident. Residents in a hamlet near Medicine Hat, Alberta, are back in their homes after a train derailment and chemical spill prompted an evacuation. The CP Rail train was carrying styrene, which is used in the manufacture of rubber, plastic and fiberglass and is flammable. The railway says about eight liters of the substance leaked. The line reopened this morning after the track was repaired and safety inspections were completed. In Colorado, a steer took a wrong turn, escaped a cattle drive, and ran into a building. A couple of cowboys jumped into action as bystanders jumped out of the way. Some tried to close the doors on the steer, but eventually opened them before it was lassoed by the cowboys. No injuries were reported. There are new concerns tonight about airline safety, but they have nothing to do with the aircraft. This time it's about pilots at major airlines and whether or not they've been drinking. 
In a second incident this week, two pilots were arrested after authorities suspected them of drinking. At Scotland's Glasgow airport, two pilots arrested this morning under laws governing pilot sobriety. The unidentified men, aged 61 and 45, due to Captain United Airlines flight UA-162 to Newark from Glasgow. The voyage cancelled. Scottish police confirming the pair are in custody pending a scheduled court appearance on Tuesday, 6th of August. United Airlines in a statement reiterating its strict no-tolerance policy for alcohol, adding that the pilots were immediately removed from service, prompting passenger anger. This traveler asking, is this the best you can do, UA? This isn't the first time United pilots have been caught out. In 2016, two United Airlines pilots were arrested and subsequently jailed after attempting to fly while over the alcohol limit. First officer Paul Grabank was sentenced to 10 months in prison. His colleague Roberta Lycona jailed for 15 months. Alcohol and flying has been a problem for the airline industry. This week, a Delta pilot was removed from a plane at Minneapolis-St. Paul International Airport. And in February, an American Airlines flight was canceled after one of its pilots was arrested in Manchester, England. Kelly Kobiella, NBC News, London. In Health Matters tonight, if obesity runs in your family, you may want to start running. Researchers in Taiwan studied the genetic makeup and exercise routines of more than 18,000 Chinese adults. They found that to keep the weight off, jogging was the most effective exercise for those who were genetically predisposed to obesity. Other exercises that help curb weight gain include mountain climbing, walking, power walking, long yoga sessions, and certain types of dance. The exercises not effective included cycling, swimming, and stretching. Conservative MP Deepak Oprah has died of liver cancer. Relatives of the Calgary politicians say he passed away yesterday, surrounded by his family. O'Brien represented Calgary Forest Lawn and was an MP for 22 years. A statement from Conservative leader Andrew Scheer says O'Brien was the longest-serving Conservative MP and the first Hindu in Parliament. Deepak O'Brien was 69 years old. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. A major North American airport is banning plastic water bottles. We'll tell you all about that right after Yvonne's forecast. But first, it is August, sunshine, warm weather. Unless, of course, you were in in or near Edmonton yesterday. The area was hit with a storm producing massive hailstones, causing damage to homes and vehicles. Sarah Comedina has more. There is a big hole due to the hail. The hail is melted, but Mukesh Patel is left to deal with damage to his Spruce Grove home caused by huge hail. Like almost like 15 to 17 holes in my house. A storm ripped through parts of Alberta, bringing jagged hail. Spruce Grove saw it the size of a grapefruit. Wind and like big, like ball size, like small golf ball size, this hail is coming and is very speedy. It's damaged to our house and it's a lot of noise. We like afraid. Roofer Adam Sand received more than 30 calls in the last day, almost six times more than his usual demand. You're seeing a lot of black spots where essentially the hail has impacted it. And what you're looking for is underneath that shingle, if you're looking for the back of the what they call the mat, the back of it to be broken. Sand says a lot of times residents aren't aware of the full extent of damage to their homes. 
It's just very important that they're getting not only the insurance company's point of view, but maybe also getting a roofing company just to come do an inspection and to give them a little bit of information and to kind of arm them with the right conversation, the right talking points. When it comes to repairs, houses aren't alone. Vehicles left outside had no chance to escape, many marked with small dents and cracked windows. We see a lot of damage and a lot of people going, well, what do I do now? Um, so what I usually say is the first point of contact is your insurance company. And repairs aren't cheap. It can range anywhere from like 100 bucks all the way up to even 10,000 or even more. It just depends on the severity of the damage. As for Battelle, he will call his insurance company. But in the meantime, he'll tape up the holes all over his house. Everybody's upset. Sarah Comedina, Global News. Picture perfect weather at English Bay tonight, and that's where Yvonne is for the last night of the celebration of light. Yvonne. Yes, Colleen, it is beautiful down here. There's a bit of a breeze just off the water. It's been hot today, a very hot and sunny start to our long weekend. If you're planning on coming down, we're already starting to see the crowds filling in. You'll want to get a spot and give yourself a little extra time. The best way to get down here is to take transit, uh, to walk, or potentially take your bike. Those are great suggestions. Team Croatia will be taking and dazzling the skies this evening for the final night. Previous to that, it was Team Canada as well. Okay, it's warm out there, but Yvonne has frozen. We will get Yvonne back in just a minute. But first, uh, heads up if you are going to be traveling through San Francisco, San Francisco International Airport. SFO is banning the sale of single-use plastic water bottles. The unprecedented move at a major U.S. airport is set to take effect on August 20th. SFO is sending an SOS for the environment by creating a rule on H2O. I think it's a fantastic idea. Banning all sales of single-use plastic water bottles in restaurants, shops, cafes and vending machines. Instead, water will be sold in recyclable aluminum, glass or compostable bottles. We can't go on like this. We have to put a stop to all the plastic. The move is in line with the airport's effort to reduce landfill waste and energy use, and also in part with the 2014 ban of the sale of plastic water bottles on San Francisco city-owned property. I live in New Zealand, and we've just recently introduced a law to outlaw single-use plastic bags. And at first we felt like, ah, oh, that's going to be way too hard, can't do it. But you know what, it's easy. So people get used to it. I mean, plastic obviously is not environmentally safe, but... On the other hand, what are we going to do? Travelers can still bring their own plastic or reusable water bottles. On the other side of TSA, SFOs installed dozens of hydration stations that disperse water for free. I guess that's a sign of the times. No plastic bags, no plastic bottles. Some would say the sign of better times, as SFO does its part to help the environment. It's a simple thing to do to help the earth. Yeah, I absolutely support it. And according to the SF Chronicle, airport staffs told vendors to provide only compostable foodware, including containers and condiment packets. SFO's goal is to become the world's first zero-waste airport by 2021. At SFO, Maria Medina, KPIX5. Barry's here now. Barry, can you imagine a world without plastic water bottles? You have to drink out of the fountain. What's going on? <laughs> we grew up that way. Mm -hmm. I don't Everything know. goes back to the beginning, I guess. Yes, right? it does. Yes, it does. What do you got coming up? Uh, we're going to start with uh, some white caps tonight. They uh, have not won a match. I'm trying to think now. It has been a while. <laughs> Late May. <laughs> so that would make over two months. Okay, let's head back to English Bay, English Bay where Yvonne is. We have you now.
Yes, you do. It's beautiful down here. If you're planning on heading down, uh, Team Croatia is going to take the skies tonight. And let's take a look at that forecast. So around 10 p.m. when the fireworks kick off, temperatures will be sitting at 19 degrees and it'll be a mainly clear sky and it remains dry through this evening and then dipping down to 17. I would recommend just bringing a light jacket or a coat because it is a bit cooler if you're closer to the water. We can see the boats out this evening. Temperatures are sitting at 22. We've got a northwesterly wind at 24 kilometers per hour. So there is a breeze, especially off the water. Areas near Burnaby got up to 25 today. Chilliwack at 29 degrees. And it was hot in the interior, just starting to warm up, but gets even hotter when we take a look at the long-range forecast. Most areas across the province, dry and clear along coastal sections. It's interior for the central interior that we're still seeing the risk of thunderstorms. Now, the upper-level chart, when we put it into play, it builds in very strong. The peak of the heat, Sunday, Monday across the south coast. For the interior, it'll be Tuesday, Wednesday, with many areas getting up to 35 or 36 degrees. The temperature trend for Metro Vancouver, so the hottest days over the next two, and then on Wednesday it does start to dip down, but it'll still be closer to the average, and the hotter days for the interior will be at 35 and potentially up to 36 degrees. Along the coast tomorrow, some morning cloud cover clearing by the afternoon, inland near Terrace up to 30 degrees. Much of the central interior It'll be up to 25 degrees, and it's the southern interior. So getting into the low 30s, but even hotter on Tuesday, Wednesday. Whistler will be bumping up to 30 as the high. Along the south coast for the northern half, Port Hardy, there will be some cloud cover in the morning, a clearing by the afternoon. Inland tomorrow near Port Alberni, hitting highs up to 28 and 29 degrees. With the Humanex for many spots, though, to be feeling even warmer. Five-day forecast for a long weekend, fantastic. Both Sunday. Monday dry. Areas away from the waters where we're going to see the heat up to 30 degrees, but with the Humidex, it'll be feeling closer to 33 degrees. Hot and sunny in towards next week, but not. Well, we are going to continue to see that and then on Thursday, a few clouds will be in the mix, but it's fantastic. If you're planning on coming down tonight, Colleen, things will kick off at 10, but there's lots of entertainment food trucks, so come on down earlier and enjoy this evening. Good Colleen? advice and leave the cars at home. Thanks so much, Yvonne. Glad we finally got yes, here. I'm glad we'll all see fireworks tonight. Mm. That's good. Absolutely. You can yep. see them right here on BC One. Mm -hmm. It's perfect. Uh, well, the white caps, let's see, am I supposed to make a segue about fireworks <laughs> and how there have been none <laughs> no. for them? It's too easy. I'm not going to do it. I refuse. <laughs> Thanks, Colleen. The uh, white caps are back at it tonight, taking on a team they've never lost to before. That's because they've never played them before. FC Cincinnati is an expansion team, and they are one of two teams in MLS with a worse record than the Whitecaps. Cincinnati's club is packed with former Whitecap players, like Captain Kendall Waston, Kakuta Manate, Darren Maddox are also there. Cincinnati came out strong. Justin Hoyt in the second minute barely misses the far post. But moments later, Cincinnati does connect. Ball into the box, causing all sorts of mayhem for the Whitecaps. And Alan Cruz fires it in. 1-0 Cincinnati just six minutes into this match. The Whitecaps did settle and uh, actually had a chance in the 32nd minute. Freddie Montero from the top of the box, but well saved by the Cincinnati goalkeeper Teton. But just before half, the Whitecaps do equalize. And it's spectacular as Inbaum from distance walks into that screamer 
His second MLS goal, third overall this season. That's more like it from the South Korean, and it's 1-1 right now with about 15 minutes to go in the match. Also today, Toronto FC and New York Red Bulls. Former Whitecap Tim Parker playing for New York. First half, TFC with all sorts of great chances. None better than this one by Jacob Schaffelberg, who's denied his first MLS goal on an outstanding save from Red Bulls goalkeeper Luis Robles. Early second half, Red Bulls open the scoring. Kaku with a great move in the box. His pass deflects off the foot of Chris Mavinga, an own goal, and it's 1-0 New York Red Bulls. And then in stoppage time, Red Bulls will put this one away. Kamar Lawrence will finish unmarked at the side of the goal. 2-0 New York wins. Red Bulls now third in the East. TFC remain in eighth place. The Lions are on their first of two bye weeks this season. One can only hope they come back refreshed and with some enthusiasm to turn around a dreadful one and six start. BC will have to get busy if they want to make the playoffs. They trail fourth place Saskatchewan by six points already in the standings. CFL tonight, Eskimos and Stampeders from Calgary. Both teams four and two. Second half. Not a lot of fireworks in this one until Trevor Harris goes up top to the former Lion Ricky Collins all alone behind that Stampeder secondary. 83-yard touchdown, and it's a tie ball game 9-9. But it did not last long. On the ensuing kickoff, Terry Williams will give Calgary the lead right back. We've seen a lot of kickoff and punt return touchdowns uh, this year. This one, 103-yard kickoff return. For the major, 15-9, Stampeders in front. And then on the last play of the third quarter, Stamps will widen the margin. Nick Arbuckle to Eric Rogers, makes the catch and then breaks the tackle. Scampers in for the score. Stamps up 21-9. But in the fourth, Eskimos, Trevor Harris, and Ricky Collins hook up one more time. Second touchdown of the game for Collins. And the updated score from McMahon inside three minutes to go, 21-18, Stan Peters. And, yeah, we got hockey in August. World Junior, Junior Summer Showcase from Plymouth, Michigan, Canada, and the U.S. A chance for players to make an impression for the World Junior Tournament this Christmas. Dale Hunter coaching for Canada. Bowen Byram not dressed for this game uh, for Canada. Tied 2-2 in the second. And Joel Valeno with the redirect will give the Canadians a 3-2 lead. But in the third, tied at 3 Americans get the game winner in the opening minute. Joel Farabee on the rebound, and the U.S. wins 5-3 in the final game of the World Junior Summer Showcase. The World Junior Tournament is in the Czech Republic. Head to White Spot for their annual Pirate Pack Day. A favorite for kids and adults, on August 14th, $2 from every Pirate Pack sold will be donated to Zajac Ranch for Children, where young adults with chronic disabilities or illness get to have an unforgettable summer camp experience. Come out to the annual Burnaby Blues and Roots Festival. The outdoor concert returns to Deer Lake with another lineup of world-class musicians, including Feist, Lord Huron, and more. Details at BurnabyBluesFestival.com. Our BC is brought to you by Alpine Credits. Own your own home and need a loan? Get approved in less than 24 hours at alpinecredits.ca. Welcome back. Surrey's Adam Svensson fired a 9-under 61 in round two yesterday at the Wyndham Championship to give him some hope that he could actually vault himself into the FedEx Cup playoffs next week. Now he would have to win the tournament or finish second to do that. He began the day just two shots out of the lead. But history tells us 
after you go low shooting a 61, it's almost impossible to follow that up with another low round. This is the final tournament before the FedEx Cup playoff, so plenty on the line. Spenson on the first hole drove it in the rough, chops out his approach and gets it onto the green. Adam would make par and didn't do much today, didn't get a lot of TV time. Even par 70 falls from third to tie for 16th, so he will need to go low tomorrow. He remains at minus 11 for the tournament. Fellow Canadian, Mackenzie Hughes, great approach shot here at the second to just a few feet of the hole, led to a birdie for Hughes. He was just one under 69 today. He's at minus 12, tied for 10th, so not really a lot of moving on moving day for both Canadians. Webb Simpson did make a big move today with the birdie putt here at the 13th. He's now at 16 under, just one shot off the lead, and that lead belongs to South Korea's Ben On. How about this effort at the 14th from 51 feet? On is right on with the line and the pace, an unlikely birdie. He's at minus 17, a one-shot lead. Merritt's Roger Sloan, by the way, tied 63rd at 5 under. Third round of the Women's British Open from England. South African Ashley Buhai has led this tournament after each of the first two rounds. Keeps it going today. Birdie at the 10th gets to 15 under. She's never won an LPGA tournament ever. But the new story authored today by 20-year-old Japanese player Hanako Shibuno. First time she's ever played a major. First time she's ever played a pro tournament outside of Japan. Made a birdie at 17 to take the lead. And then at the 18th, check out this approach shot to within four feet. She would make birdie to take a two-shot lead. The smile tells it all. Canada's Brooke Henderson well back at minus two, tied 37th. <coughs> Baseball today, Blue Jays and Orioles. Toronto on a season-high five-game win streak. Top of the first, Vladdy Guerrero. Junior continues his hot streak of late. RBI double scores another son of a major leaguer, Bo Bichette. one nothing Jays. This team in the hands of the young players now, and they have played very well of late. In the third, Freddie Galvis with a solo homer to right, his 18th. 2 nothing Toronto. Now Baltimore went ahead 4-2, but the Jays tie it. Reese McGuire with his first home run of the year. It's off the roof of the Orioles' bullpen. You can see it better on the replay. So that's a home run, a two-run shot, but Baltimore's regained the lead 6-4 right now in the seventh. Meanwhile, former Blue Jay Aaron Sanchez making his debut with the Astros tonight against the Mariners. Sanchez and Joe Biagini dealt to Houston on trade deadline day Wednesday, and what a debut for Sanchez. Struck out the first batter he faced, Malik Smith. Second inning, Domingo Santana swinging and missing at the breaking ball. And then Sanchez will get J.P. Crawford as well. Sanchez went six innings, did not give up a hit, but he was pulled anyway after 93 pitches. The no-hitter is still intact, by the way. 7-0 Astros in the eighth. And we'll finish with some Red Sox and Yankees. First of two for the Yankee Stadium. New York dominated. D.J. LeMayhew will hit a three-run homer to the short porch and right his fourth. His second homer of the game off Chris Sale gave the Yanks a 7-1 lead. But it wasn't all good news for New York. Edwin Encarnacion takes the pitch off the wrist in the eighth. And it broke his wrist. He's the third first baseman on the injured list for the Yanks. They won the game 9-2. They've got a comfortable eight-game lead in the AL East. But more injury woes as they lose Encarnacion now. They say broken wrist, but they've only put him on the 10-day injured list. So maybe it's not that serious. It looks, uh, it looks like it hurt, though. Well, yeah, 96 
not supposed to rub it. Ball coming out? Yeah. yeah. Yikes. Good thing it was just his wrist. <laughs> okay, finally tonight, a heartwarming story out of Surrey that, Surrey that proves, well, it proves the humanity <laughs> of our communities. When a woman took her son's guitar in for repairs, staff at the music store learned the eight-year-old had battled serious health issues. So as Kristen Robinson reports, they decided to give their young customer the ultimate surprise. Sahil Sharma thinks he's here for a guitar lesson. Hi. <laughs> I made these for you. Uh, I, I helped my mom make them. How you doing, buddy? Pound it up. Hey, where's Bringing the same gifts he handed Tom Lee Music staff. And then that's your tag. Your tag. Oh, that's After they restrung the old instrument his mother brought in. You know, you can only do so much with an old guitar. And as she was talking to us, the story started coming out. And it just was really heartbreaking and touching. Kurt Teese learned eight-year-old Sahil is a cardiac patient who survived open-heart surgery as a baby. Hey, did you bring your guitar? Yep. Oh, let's take a look yep. at it. Teese had restringer Lorenzo Pareto give it a rock star tune-up. But when Sahil returned with fresh-baked cookies and a handwritten thank you, they decided to do one better. We had a lot of ideas for this guitar. But Lorenzo had even a better idea, I think. I'd love you to open that, my friend. Yeah. Thank you. Rip it, buddy. There you go. Like it's like it's Christmas. Staff pitching in to surprise Sahil, Yamaha upgrading the gift to twice its value. Whoa! Is that amazing? Yes, thank you. <laughs> A quick tune-up. Sure. And it's time to learn. Hey, there you go. Music heals. It's the language of the soul. I think he's on the right path, so I'm really, I'm happy. The acoustic gift giving this young guitarist rock and roll ambition. Maybe one year and then I can probably get a rock guitar and start rocking out. Get one of these big things. Wanna hear some rock? Hey. Kristen Robinson, Global News. That's a rock star. Right I can, I can tell he's got the personality. I can see that guy putting on a good show. What a sweetheart. Yeah, and how nice of the staff, hey? It, it, you're right. It's kind of nice to see some heartwarming news because we get to be kind of... We get all say, we say a lot of stuff that's not so heartwarming, so that's good to no see. No kidding. Yeah. Congratulations to all of you. And uh, thanks for watching. We'll have uh, more news tonight at 11 o'clock, including your latest look at weather and the fireworks. Mm. Hope you'll join us then. Take care.